Hello and welcome to another edition of Hockey the Podcast. We are pumping them out at a rate of knots. Quicker than a Greg Nickel drag flick. It's been phenomenal. Uh, the amount that we have managed to produce over the last couple of days. But uh, really, it's, it goes without saying, the reason we're doing it is because, of course, it's a lockdown. And uh, we've just got word we're doing this uh, on the cusp of... Uh, Cyril Ramaphosa having just announced that uh, the lockdown within South Africa has been extended by an extra 14 days. So another quarantine edition of the podcast. But as always, joining me as co-host, but from his home, is uh, Tyron Jabu Barnard. Tyron, uh, how's the lockdown treating you? The, it's, it's been good to be home with, uh, with my wife and my two boys. Um, obviously, also weird though because I am fortunate enough to still have a full time uh, job, but I am working full time, so it's been very hard on the little guys that uh, I can't sit out and play hockey with them all the time because I'm busy paying a bunch of millions of money over to other people. So uh, it's been it's been weird, but I think uh, yeah, I think we've had a lot more time available for ourselves because of the fact that there's no sport. Yeah, to watch on the weekends. Well, well, I tell you what, I mean, podcast listenership has gone through the roof over the last uh, couple of days and weeks, and it's easy to understand why, because there is no live sport on the go, so people are trying to get their kicks elsewhere. I mean, we've seen other events like marble racing becoming popular. You and I have been hosting lockdown sports quizzes online for our friends, which will hopefully be extended to the greater public. Uh, but yeah, so, and I must just give you a bit of background to the listener out there. Um, Tyron is the one who cracks the whip as far as the show is concerned. Um, <laughs> I put it together, but in terms of admin, I'm absolutely crap. Um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much all over the place. And Tyron's got to say, listen, we are going to do these shows this time and this time and this time. And, and I've, got to, I've got to be honest, Tyron, I was, I was sitting there today at around half three this afternoon and I just found a really good movie coming to America. And I thought, oh, cool. So I'd done quite a bit of work this morning. And I thought, oh, cool. Kick back, relax, nothing to do for the rest of the day. And your <laughs> message came through saying, um, we're still cool for this evening. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Completely slipped my mind. <laughs> Um, but so, so thank you for reminding me. But uh, yeah, we've well, got that, a, yeah. That is why I sent the message um, <laughs> to make sure that you uh, uh, were still on board. And and obviously, it's important that uh, look. Uh, this is uh, maybe the admin is my side, but uh, you have the technical know-how, and that's why we can do what we can do. Uh, thanks to the the wonderful work of Radar. And I think just before we get into to this week's episode, obviously, everyone will see if you haven't. We are moving off of SoundCloud completely and we're on to Iona FM. You'll still be able to get the podcast on all the, the main podcast platforms, TuneIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anybody else who thinks they're a, a main podcast platform. Uh, but if you are looking for it on the web, it's now Iona.fm and you look for the Raider Media page. Yeah, yeah, and it was a migration that we had to do. Unfortunately, our previous host uh, didn't allow us to have a whole bunch of products under one roof. Um, and, and thankfully, Yona have come to the party, so they've been great. So, yeah, that's our, our new home. But as you say, most people probably listen to it uh, via iTunes or Spotify anyway, so they wouldn't even have a clue what we're talking about. So you don't need yeah, to worry. Enough. You're still going to find it where you find it. And of course, uh, you know, the history is all still there. So when you listen on, on the website or the social media, when we share it, you're, you're just going to listen to the quality. So just enjoy it. But uh, shout out to Iona FM 
for the great work they've done. Yeah, they really have been superb. And uh, a shout out to our great guest this evening. Ty, tell us more. Yeah, look, so, so this is going to be interesting because uh, uh, this gentleman and I in December actually co-commentated on a match, a, a ladies hockey match between SA and Ireland. And, and we had a fantastic time. In fact, I think he has a future and, and hopefully after tonight, he doesn't replace one of us as, as a, the Hockey the Podcast host. But the following <laughs> night, he played in an exhibition game and uh, uh, obviously being an exhibition game, they were bringing all sorts of skills. And, and so I did the same in the commentary box and I threw a, th- a bit of shade his way and I promised that he could have his own back on the podcast. <laughs> and... Uh, I have no doubt that uh, this is going to be entertaining and fun. It is the one and only John T. Robinson. Hey, hey guys. Hey, Derek. Hey, Tyron. Thank you so much for having me. How are you, John T.? Yeah, very good. Except, I think you undersold it. That little bit of shade. I thought we worked so well together. You know, our relationship was amicable. <laughs> and then you hit me with all that. Oh, my goodness. In fairness, <laughs> I, I did say that Rassi was old enough to be Chad Futch's dad. <laughs> this is true this is me you didn't quite hit me that hard so i'm happy that <laughs> no listen it, it was great fun and and it's obviously a good place to start then uh is indoor hockey uh being that we're all stuck indoors right now um obviously indoor hockey has a slightly different uh meaning right now during the lockdown so what are you doing to keep busy during the lockdown Jonty? I actually have a whole heap to keep me busy at the moment. Um, I'm one of the fortunate people uh, out and around. Um, I'm actually staying with my folks on their farm up in Howick um, during the quarantine era. So I've got a little bit of room to work and run around and keep active. But because we're working on skeleton staff on the farm, obviously trying to manage this crazy pandemic, um, I've been roped into helping with the cattle and planting uh, rye grass for winter feed and cleaning pathways. So it is awesome to be out and about, but it has been a whole lot of work which has come with it. But uh, spending time with family is one of the, the small treasures we can take out of this absolutely crazy time in world history. There's no question, Jonty, that you had had experience on the farm uh, during your younger days, but uh, has it given you a new appreciation to, to what the, the family does uh, out in the sticks? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, we always, oh, old man says he's coming back and he's tired and he's working and uh, spending two weeks up here and everything he gets through, I've got a new appreciation for anyone that's in the farming industry that's part of producing food or anything it's it's absolutely insane what people go through there's no sort of eight to five and monday to friday just work never stops it's uh it's an incredible thing people to do people do it's it's also a completely under under appreciated profession which is uh completely appropriate because that's exactly the sport that you're in probably the most underappreciated sport in south africa yeah, and especially for one that is played in such huge volume and the sort of reach is insane and people love it so much. And I think we're slowly getting this appreciation which is coming through. And it's an it, interesting time in, in hockey in the country because there is this renowned or renewed interest and people are getting excited about the small thing. The indoor has been a huge part of that. 
with the outdoor, the way that's grown, the good work that the ladies are doing, the good work that the guys are doing, coming across, putting out really good series against the USA and all the good things that they did to qualify for the Olympics. It's an exciting time. Um, I think we're on that sort of precipice where it could, if we get things right, administratively really fall in place and we can grow the sport in the country to something hugely exciting because it is such a dynamic game as it is. Yeah, and, and obviously this game, uh, you are a veteran of South African hockey and, and that is not a stab at your, your age, but just considering how, how long you have been around the hockey circles. But when it comes to indoor, you are just a baby in terms of international <laughs> indoor hockey. What was that like for you, getting your international debut in November last year? Getting your international debut at 33. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was incredible. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be in and around indoor for quite a while. Um, I played a fair bit overseas, um, but was never around enough for the domestic season here in South Africa. But absolutely loving it. Um, the opportunity to play alongside my brother was something really special. Um, even though it only ended up working out that we played a, a combined total of 30 seconds together <laughs> just with the rotations we were doing. But uh, in the 30 seconds, we combined to score a goal. So pretty stoked about that. But what a, an awesome opportunity to play in front of an absolutely incredible Durban crowd um, and just play hockey on a different platform was really, really cool. Yeah, I think you're underselling it a little bit. Pretty stoked about that, having been able to play with Keegan and scoring a goal while putting a goal together. I mean, that, that must have been huge for, for the Robinson family. Oh, it's massive. I mean, the, obviously, the you know, older brother, younger brother competition has been around for absolutely ever. And there's been a lot of competition. And there's always that dream about standing up, singing the national anthem together, representing your country. And to be able to do it and and put it all together it's it really you know, one of those one of those things you you're lucky to be able to do in your life well i tell you what something else that uh, you're lucky to do is uh, you're able to travel the world through sport and uh, people uh, spend hundreds of thousands of of, of rands and dollars each year uh, trying to get to see the world uh, you guys get to do it but of course you also have to spend money too unfortunately <laughs> given the state of hockey in the country um, but uh, there is a, a very exciting destination uh, on the horizon in the form of Belgium holding thumbs of course given the fact that we are speaking during quarantine and lockdown but uh, Belgium uh, being confirmed as the hosts uh, for the World Cup next year. Oh, there was a whole lot of excitement which came out when that announcement was finally made. Um, Belgium have been absolutely incredible with the product that they've been presenting in terms of hockey. And you see it across the world leagues, the Euros. So for them to go and put another show at indoor, oh, it's going to be an exciting tournament. And if I'm fortunate enough to be there, man, it's going to be incredible. But yeah, what a great place to go and visit. So, so were well, you go play and compete, not go visit. You want to go there and compete. <laughs> Yeah, so, really going to show the world that SA hockey and indoor hockey is really in a special place. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you must have been very relieved when uh, Belgium managed to beat out Afghanistan for the rights to host. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I must admit. Um, yes, that was in the back of the mind. But uh, yeah, all in all, it it's, yeah, could be an interesting place to go and visit. I think you know, uh, we got to go to Pakistan when we were under 21 and that was a complete eye-opener and a new experience. Um, I'm sure 
Afghanistan Hockey Federation would put something special together, but um, I must be honest, I'm pretty pretty happy it's Belgium that's doing it. Yeah, I must say, I mean, I've spoken to Tyron about it before on the show. I got to visit Saudi Arabia earlier this year. Uh, I was there with the Dakar Rally. And in the past, we've always gone to South America, which has always been fantastic. Yeah. And Saudi Arabia was this massive unknown. We didn't know what to expect. It's uh, it's notorious for, for being known as a highly, highly conservative nation. So we expected, uh, are we going to have to be on our best behavior? Which, of course, we would be. But um, to what Naturally. extent? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we, we were absolutely blown away. And I mean, I... I love travel. Tyron loves travel, and uh, and you, you do as well. So, yeah, to be able to get to see the sights and the sounds of the world is spectacular, but to, to be able to do it as a sports person, I think that just must top the lot. Oh, yes. It's it's a, an awesome opportunity because you get to go and compete. It's also a little bit jaded because you really are there to go and achieve a goal. Um, so... You get there, you train hard in the morning, you go and play your competition in the afternoon, maybe have a free day, but you're still doing all your video or your recovery and all the rest. So you get to really see the highlights package of all these different cities. So you go into India to Delhi, you know, you see the sand monument, you see old Delhi, you see the Taj and that's it. And then it's hotel and it's the hockey center. Um, so it's awesome that you get to get the stamp in your book. You get to take in a little bit of the culture but I wouldn't say it's a, a fully immersive experience in terms of all, but the, the highlights package is, is epic. Yeah, and, and I'm just on your uh, TMS profile while we speak. There's some pretty cool countries on the list. I mean, if I go through here, India, Great Britain, Brazil, Malaysia, Kenya, Holland, England, Scotland, Durban. I mean, that's a country in itself. Um, <laughs> Summer 365, yes. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, don't worry, Derek always thinks it's summer. I mean, he wears shorts when it's two degrees. <laughs> I'm wearing slumped. the shortest of rugby shorts right now. Yeah, but that's, oh, that's all corporate. you have. Yeah, my Jadrons. <laughs> but um, before we talk about Derek's last lack of dress code, uh, is there a place that stands out in your in your hockey memory as your best place to have gone? Oh, um, sure. I think we've, we've had some pretty special places. I can definitely say the, the one place I dislike the most, um, purely because I spent 10 days in hospital there. Um, Malaysia was a terrible experience, a beautiful country, but horrible. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Myself and Austin Smith, the captain at the time, uh, we, we contracted dengue fever while we were out there playing. And uh, that, was a, that was a pretty scary time. Um, but best places, oof, Japan, uh, Gifu province in Kagamigahara, that was pretty special. Um, Brazil for one of the world league qualifiers. That was awesome. And, uh, Egypt I actually really, really, um, enjoyed our trip up to Egypt in Ismailia. Um, they really put on a show. We weren't expecting much when we went up there, but it was incredible. Yeah, it was really, really good. And then again, obviously, from a, a purely hockey point of view, um, Egypt was obviously great because of the winning the African Cup there after being behind. But uh, how do they compare to? How does that compare to something like the the Glasgow Commonwealth Games, or of course the big one, the London Olympic Games? Oh, major competition is is special and it's incredible. 
you go to the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games and from the moment you step off the plane, everything is in place for you to go and be the best athlete you can be. And it's an absolute surreal experience. Um, you know, from the time you get there, you carry your bags, you get escorted straight to your rooms, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't worry about what you eat. You just don't worry about when you go and eat and your bus is there sorted for you and you just go and perform and being in an environment where you're surrounded by the best of the best at the peak of their careers is something incredible. And there's such a hum and a vibe around around the village and then around all these these parks. It's it's an incredible environment to to be in. I think you can't really compare that to to anything else. You really can't. Um, so London will be forever ingrained in my mind. That was something special at the time. You know, everyone was saying it was the best Olympics that had been put on. I'm pretty sure that the guys that are going to end up going to Tokyo, you know, in a year and a bit's time, that's going to be something special. But yeah, it was surreal. In fact, you, yeah, surreal. Oh, that's awesome, man. And were you able to do any um, fanboy moments with any of the big stars in London? <laughs> um, had the opportunity to, but, but didn't. Um, I, I kind of found it awkward. I was you know, <laughs> in this village and you're like, this dude's also just here to play. Like he doesn't want to get hassled by another guy asking for a selfie. <laughs> um, you know, so standing in the line and Ryan Giggs was in front of me. He must've been with the football. And he was just saying like, I, I know you, Brie. I'm, I'm not going to say anything to you, but you know, just a nod. Cool. Good day, good day, and and crack on. And uh, we met the um, Venus and Serena, and they were actually a bundle of fun. Um, absolutely loved Lance Lowe, if I remember at the time. Uh, hey, cutie, how you doing? <laughs> I was like, oh, Lance, there you go, my boy. Um, <laughs> it's, and it's just it's awesome to see all these heroes that you idolize are, are just people. You know, they they just like everyone else. They are sort of obviously on this pedestal because they get all this coverage, but you know, the athletes, they love the sport. They want to be around like-minded people. And, and that was something very cool. John, so, yeah. John, I posed a question to Kim Dietlifs uh, not too long ago. And uh, yeah, she said stuff happened, but she didn't want to go into too much detail. But I remember a famous story emanating from the 96 Olympics. I think it was in Atlanta where uh, in the Olympic Village, um, the guys who are part of the shooting team for for the Yanks, um, their Olympics came to a halt, uh, I think, midway through through the Olympics, and they stuck around. And they ended up staying in this house, which someone actually forgot about. I don't know, the organizing committee or whatever. So it just became this party house. It was called Shooter's House. And athletes <laughs> used to go there 24-7. They said they had this huge bowl in the front of condoms and it was it was like a frat house basically in the middle of the <laughs> olympic village and um, as things start winding down over in the olympic village do, do athletes start to let their hair down a lot more given the fact that uh uh some of them end their 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 their, their events and, and and thus the competing is thus over now you can party a bit more there's there's definitely a fair bit of this um we we had an Australian guy who stayed a block or two down from us. He was one of the swimmers and he was swimming in the very first heat of um, the morning after the opening ceremony. So it's like, Oh, I'm so jealous. We don't get to go to the opening ceremony, but you know, I've obviously got to go swim. He bombed out in heat one, never qualified. 
but Team Australia kept all the athletes there all the way through. We met him. It was probably about six days later. <laughs> he said he had eaten McDonald's four times a day, every day, only got to bed at three o'clock every night. He put on seven kgs already in six days. Um, so yes, there's a big element of everyone sort of letting their hair down as soon as as soon as their competition's done and all that. But uh, for the for the rest, it's sure heightened focus around it. But uh, as soon as that goes, I mean, Lisa spoke about it on your your podcast. I think last week, um, yes. you have these these different nations just holding parties. Um, we had a, a common area, which was just a sort of a blockway because London they actually just sort of like built up a, a suburb, essentially, um, you know. And so just down the way, there's a big open area with big marquee and pool tables and playstations and all the rest. And after the closing ceremony, um, suddenly you hear this sort of like ruckus coming across the field. And then all of a sudden, it's a bit of a beat. And all of a sudden, there's a bit of a hum and a noise. And you're going, okay, well, what, what's going on there? Suddenly, Team Germany rocks up, and they were just pulling pallets of beer around. <laughs> they arrived. Someone switched down the music and says, Germany's arrived. We party now. Turned up the music, and that was it. And then it was just everyone drinking beer, having a good time, oh, getting festivals. The most surreal thing ever. <laughs> uh, and yeah, as, as you rightly pointed out, uh, it was uh, Lisa um, who said that. It wasn't Kim. Uh, I'm getting my hockey players confused because prior to that, we had Kim Hubach. So she said it all yeah. becomes one massive blur over time. But uh, yeah, it was Lisa who spoke about that uh, in our last podcast that we did a, a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You, you did ask Lisa to add a middle name. Um, it was supposed to be one Olympic gold, Dietlif, but yes. uh, we can make it Kim. Uh, yeah, we can. Easily. Lisa Kim Dietlif. <laughs> All right. <laughs> John's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's actually mind-blowing when you look at it because uh, we, we talk about uh, Kim being an Olympic goal scorer, but you yourself are an Olympic goal scorer. Do you, do you remember your Olympic goals? Ah, crystal clear. Every every single moment of it. Um, and I'm sure one day the memory will go. Um, but those moments will definitely be ingrained there forever. Um, those are some special moments. As we're playing against, the first one was against GB in this absolutely packed stadium. You have 20,000 people absolutely humming. Um, and it's 1-1. We're going to the death. We know that if we get this result, we've got an opportunity to play sort of for serious ranking points. We go to middle four. Um, you, we're just about to crack on. And we just sucked in a load of pressure. We finally got the ball up the field. We turn it over, left-hand side of the 25. Small interchange, get it top D. And that's, that's probably the hardest I think I've ever hit a hockey board. Sideboard, backboard, <laughs> bang, bang. And this 20,000 crowd went quiet dead quiet besides for the 30 south african fans and family in the corner which were losing their mind <laughs> it was yeah, it was incredible um so that was that was really really special and uh, the second one was against argentina um we're, we're trying to gouge back um sort of against the Aussies, who had just taken the lead and it was a bit of a scuffed uh, penalty corner, which I was able to just get in front and tap it in from a pass from Andrew Crenier. So, oh, man. 
That's awesome. But you know, there is actually a very interesting little bit of trivia about your two goals. And Ooh. I don't know if you could guess it. Um, if, the, if there's something significant about those two goals. Uh, and, and I think it's very vague what I'm saying. So I don't, have a way to get, I don't have a way to give you a clue without giving it away. But you scored both your goals in the 64th minute. Ah. No ways. Ah. So, I, I mean, uh, there's something. So, so you're obviously someone who didn't like the change to a 60-minute game. So <laughs> you, you have a few goals. You have a couple of goals then, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I must admit, originally when the change did come around, I wasn't happy. I thought this, there was an element which was lost where, you know, a lot of teams, you know, put all this priority on the physical conditioning and where they could out-hustle teams in the last sort of seven, eight minutes of the game. Um, and I thought that was really going to be lost. But then you start playing the shorter formats and how much faster the game has become and how much more precise it's. I think it's added a really exciting dynamic to the game. Um, so I think initially I was maybe a bit tentative, but now um, as a player, as a coach, I love it obviously because you've got more time to have a bigger impact on the game. Um, but as a player, it's it's all charge, it's go hard, and it's really brought the excitement to hockey. And you know, what we mentioned earlier about how the game's growing, I think that's one of the elements which is helping that happen. No. Yeah, I'm glad you, you pointed out about a coach because I think that's probably the biggest element of this is that it's, uh, it allows coaches to you know, have a bigger impact on a game because they're able to talk to their teams more regularly. And of course, with rolling subs, you're also able to, to almost keep your, your strongest players on the park a little bit longer um, with the quarters of 15 than you are with the two halves of 35. Yeah, and we're seeing that across most of the the international sport where I think the the margins have got a a bit closer if we look at teams four to twelve, four to fourteen, some of your lesser teams are able to compete for longer because some of the your more experienced, just your stronger players can be on for longer. They can have a bit more of an impact. So there's a, a way that you can go and manage the game there a bit. I think if you look at anyone in the top four, top five, they're probably gonna steamroll most teams that you come up against. So you've got to play a really big tactical game and make sure you know, the ball rolls for you a couple of times. Um, but it's, it's, there has been elements of it evening the playing field, which is also an interesting one. Tyron mentioned the, 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 the coaching factor, and that segues nicely into my question, my next question, and that, um, John T, when you're not playing, you, you're coaching. Theoretically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, and uh, I've actually been very, very fortunate um, when I came back from uh, my stint over in England, um, came back into the country, got a really good opportunity with Glenwood High School. Um, so I'm the director of hockey there and really run their hockey program. And the headmistress, Dr. Barnes, has given me really awesome opportunity and freedom to run it as I as see fit. And it's been quite nice to be able to get things in line there. And uh, the other one, which I'm really, really excited about, is that um, I'm involved with uh, Riverside Hockey Club and just um, stepped up as the performance director there, which is very, very Ooh. cool. So get to, get to go and use some of the experience and everything I learned at all the clubs playing overseas and come and bring it into our club environment here and see if we can really bolster what is already an, an incredible club in, in the country. Um, so excited at the opportunities and uh, 
it does mean that I spend all my time on the side of a hockey field, which my my wife isn't always happy about. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the most I've ever actually seen her with the lockdown. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she seems yeah, nice. So, eh? The wife seems nice. I actually, my my girlfriend. It's it's quite nice getting to know her. Uh, the last yeah, it's, just, it's been interesting. There's like, oh, you you quite like that. I never knew that. That's quite nice. Me too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, but it's 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 been good. And I've, I've always been passionate about coaching. Um, I knew that from from a young age, it was the direction I wanted to take my life and my career. In. Um, fortunate that my wife's also a sportsman, so she understands what it takes. But um, for the moment, developing the next generation of SA hockey players. And then hopefully we'll move on to being in the top end in elite sports sometime soon. So that'll be quite exciting. Quite a quite a nifty title as well. Performance director like that. Yes, yeah. Um, I got a little bit of say in the title, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't want anything that sounded too too crazy or out there. And it's uh, you know it's something that aligns with how can we make sure that we're aligning all things across the club. In terms of what is what is hockey, and obviously we want to play competitive hockey, but there's it got to be a huge social aspect. So how can we get all the little elements right to make sure that if we allow for quality performance at the top end of the club as well? So yeah, that's what I've been charged with, and um, looking forward to working with a lot of great people across uh, Riverside Hockey. I mean, we've got Justin Collins who was involved with the. SA men's uh, A team against the, ser- the series just before the USA. He runs the junior program and our reach program, which is exciting. We've got Mark Hopkins as our um, men's coach, who was the SA men's coach at the previous Commonwealth Games. We got Taylor Kelly Stack and Calvin Price, who come in alongside with me on the women's side to coach their first team. So, working with some exciting people. John T. Le- I- I- I'm Sorry for bringing this up, but um, you brought up Mark Mark uh, Hopkins. Yes, um, he was obviously the the coach that decided uh, to not call you up for the outdoor team at the end of your uh, at the end of your uh, outdoor career. Was there a, a mutual discussion, or was there at least a discussion with you to say, "Look, we're building with other players," or or how did it go down? Because you played 115 games for South Africa and, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody here, but uh, all of a sudden John T. Robinson just wasn't in the picture anymore. Yeah. Um, the, the short Sorry answer is... tough question. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the short answer is no. Um, it didn't really have a, a big hands-on discussion with Mark um, about the future and what it was going to take. Um, it, it was always coming to what was going to be the, the latter part in my career. Um, it, it came a, a difficult time where, as I said, we had just come back from England um, after a big turnaround where we essentially got uh, kicked out of the country. Well, I was not back in the country because of some administrative mess up by my old club, um, which meant that our visa got taken away. And so suddenly ended up in South Africa and... I was, you know, trying to trying to live a professional life in a very unprofessional environment. Led to some some big injuries, and uh, over that phase, I didn't really look after my body well enough. I don't think. Actually, looking back now, I didn't. Um, so I was, I think, in my mind, 
expecting to perform at a level, but just wasn't, wasn't able to. And, uh, looking back now, my performance didn't match what was needed. Um, the experience was obviously there and technically, uh, you know, was easy on it, but over that period, it's, it was a, a, a tough time to manage. Um, and yeah, yeah. So, well, and, and I suppose, but I, I think that's how it goes. It's yeah. No, and, and I, and I get that. I mean, it's it's a privilege to represent your country, not a right. And mm. um, we've seen your response to it has been great because you've raised the game from an indoor point of view. Um, and as you said, at 33 years of age, you got a call up. That just shows that you're in the indoor reckoning. And uh, having seen the recent IPT where uh, you guys made it to the final and were unfortunate to lose in the shootout, um, I can quite clearly see that you are definitely still knocking on the selector's doors. I haven't seen the squad yet, but uh, I can imagine you'll be in the greater squad and, you know, maybe your goals have moved indoor now, but uh, I think it's a good lesson and an important lesson for, for youngsters that uh, we do get disappointment. There are times where it doesn't go away, but you've had great experiences and you've maybe changed the, the objectives a little bit and you're still achieving at a high level for hockey. Yeah, I still think there's a little bit of hockey in the legs. I think we'll keep on pushing. Um, you know, all all waiting to hear what happens with the the indoor squad, and that's it's quite a, a nice opportunity that I've still got. Uh, you know, some international hockey along those lines, and that's that's really really exciting. Um, but you know, that really is top end sport, or it is sport in general. You know, it's it's the things which we don't get to learn in the classroom come through in sport and. It's how you manage big disappointments and, you know, the small letdowns in your career, along with some of the really exciting moments and how you, you manage both. Um, so quite a, quite an interesting one. And uh, I've been lucky enough to have a, a really, a really full career um, for it to round up with a little bit of indoor could be exceptionally exciting. So we'll keep on pushing for that. Jonty, I know so many, sorry, sorry, Ty. Um, I, I know so many Jonathans and I, I know only a few Jonties, but always the ones that have changed their names or have stuck with the nickname Jonty have gone on to become very, very good sportsmen. Um, how did the nickname come about? Was it just just uh, an obvious segue from jo- Jonathan or, or was it based on a, a certain Jonty Rhodes who was big in hockey at the time or, or any, anyone else? I've asked my parents this so often and they, they actually don't know. My, my dad always said, yeah, no, I quite like the name Jonathan Jared because uh, JJ from Dallas, that, that's quite cool. So maybe JJ is a nickname. Um, and then that didn't stick. And then somehow Jonty came about. So no one can tell me when or who or why, but Jonty's there and it's been, it's, you know, it's kind of stuck with it. And, the only time someone calls me Jonathan is pretty much my mom or my wife when I'm in a whole heap of trouble. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's usually the case. Uh, yeah. d- don't worry, my, my old man was uh, a massive fan of the all-black rugby player Calvin Tremaine. And he wanted to name me, not Calvin, which would have been fine, but he wanted to name me Tremaine. And uh, luckily, my, my mom got stuck in and she, she put a stop to that uh, very, very quickly. So uh, then I had to settle for Derek, which I, I don't know. It's a hell of a lot much better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, 
D-Rock is a nickname. That's not a bad one to go with. Yeah, no, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tend, it, uh, it's funny enough. My mate Cindy called me Big D. Uh, my girlfriend calls me Small D, though. I haven't found out why. <laughs> uh, uh, no comment. <laughs> Just seriously. Yeah, I, uh, I nothing. <laughs> to all the kids listening here, he's talking about vitamin D. <laughs> you know, it's not. <laughs> uh, um, but John G. Rhodes, uh, what a guy. <laughs> yes, what a guy. What an athlete. Changed the African sport. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's actually, we, we're actually going to change tack because I know we've got a few more questions, but I, I'm going to go straight into the one question quiz quick because that leads to exactly what we're chatting about. So you were fair with the one question quiz. I know you spoke about the fact that you heard the, the Lisa interview not too long ago. She cheated on this question. Um, <laughs> shockingly so. She actually Googled the question up front. Um, but I want to know from you, John T. Rhodes's famous run out, which put him on the international scene, Back in 1992, the World Cup against Pakistan, the batsman was Inzamam Ulhaq, where he ran and dived and, and tore down the stumps. Who was the bowler? It was uh, Brian Mitchell. You no, close. It, it Brian. Definitely was. If it was Brian Mitchell, then that man is a sensational sportsman. Stop, wow, wow, I've got my names wrong. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Because he's um, Brian Mitchell's the world champion boxer. Well, <laughs> you think about that, I will tell you, Derek and I did a sports quiz last night. And one of our Ooh. friends who is a rugby aficionado, like he is, he's like a rugby encyclopedia. He'll tell you what the weather was, what the, the wind direction was during a thing. Um, but he turned around and uh, we are, uh, Derek asked the question, who was the coach of the British, uh, the Springboks against the British and Irish Lions in 1997? And he said it with such confidence. Guys, I know this. I've got this. You, you know me at rugby. It was uh, Michiel Duplessis. And the guys are like, no, I've never heard of that name. And he's like, no, Michiel Duplessis, 100%. 100%. Final answer, that's our team's answer. Um, he meant Carl Duplessis, but... Uh, well done, Wazy. Yeah, and and Mikhail was his brother, but now you've got to understand this guy is like Ty said, a complete rugby anorak. I mean, he knows yeah. uh, when you ask him, you know, who scored the try at this and this place, he'll tell you what the weather temperature was, the exact minutes, things like that. And for him to get that wrong, he'll never live this down. But funny enough, and now we're deviating completely away from the question, so it's giving you plenty of time to go and Google it. But um, <laughs> no, 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 keep keep on going, keep on going. Like, you guys are doing horrible things. Tell more um, stories. Like. The, the, I'll, ne I'll never forget uh, on, we hosted a, a thing called Lady Rugger um, many years back uh, on Supersport and we were looking for our next um, female rugby presenter who Alma Smith ended up winning it and she went and forged a very successful career for herself but um, during the uh, the, the, the early stages, uh, obviously, we'd go around to different cities and we've got the, the different um, people going to, to enter the competition. And uh, a lot of people, as I'm sure is the case with the likes of idols, etc., they just see a chance to be on TV. So they don't really aren't good singers or in this case, they didn't really know yeah. a lot about rugby, but they just show up for a chance of, of stardom. And, and that was certainly the case with the, a lot of the entrants uh, during the early stages. So the one lady I'm chatting to, and I said to her, 
and and she was she was terrible, but she was very good in cameras. So she had to at least get one question right. So after about three or four wrong answers, I thought, okay, well, let me just give her a very simple one, and then we should just bring her through anyway. And um, at the time, Peter De Villiers was the Springbok coach, and I said to her, "Who is the current coach of the Springbok team?" And um, she thought about it for a little while, and she goes, "Ah, oh, Arno Carstens." No. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, Needless goodness. to say, she, she didn't get the job. It wasn't Alma, by the way. <laughs> Someone completely different. Um, but yeah, yeah, go, yeah going back to... That is my answer. Was... <laughs> well, you were close. You were very close. Um, do you want one more crack at it? I, I think I was, I was trying to go with Brian McMillan. There as we answer, go. But... Yeah, hundreds. No, no, we'll give it to you. <laughs> Look, we, we've given answers for a lot vaguer answers uh, before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take half a half mark there. Yeah, no nonsense. We'll give you the full the full package. You deserve it. Yeah, lucky, lucky. Uh, the way Derek went to school, all half marks are rounded up. So well yes. done. <laughs> it's, it's, take it. Yeah, fifty is always a hundred. <laughs> fifty all right. you overachieved. You studied too hard. That's a, that. That is exactly how we treat the university. <laughs> uh, when I was studying a, a BCom, if you got a fifty-two or fifty-three, you were a nerd. <laughs> most most of us aim for a 48 so that they would like push it up with the curve. Yeah, just just make sure you just enough so you don't have to do the rewrites. Yeah. Just yes. enough so you get yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did a few rewrites, my bad. <laughs> but That's, to all um, my schoolboys uh listening, make sure you are studying over this time, taking in. We expect really good results uh for when your matric results come, because when you got a varsity, you know, academics is more important. Huh? That's definitely the message you're going to spread. 100%. 100%. Uh, I mean, look, it, it, the, the alternative is that you can uh, forge a career in podcasts where there's really no money in that. So, yeah, study hard <laughs> and then you, you, can just, you can enjoy things like this in the comfort of your own home, not being able to host them. Uh, you can just relax yeah. and enjoy. Um, just speaking <laughs> on that subject, though, regarding the schooling, I mean, both Tyron and I are, are fathers of, of young kids. So, so we know what, what a big impact the lockdown's had on us. But from, from a teacher or coach's perspective, um, with you dealing with uh, guys in their teens, um, yeah, how, how's it affecting them? And I mean, geez, it must be tough. In, in a matric year, I can imagine the pressure must be unbelievable to, to succeed and try and overcome this thing. No, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. And uh, the, the guy's mental strength has, has really been tested. Um, when we were going into the break and we knew, knew some things were coming, you know, everyone started putting in plans. How can we make sure that we getting all our work to our matrix? How, you know, can we make sure that we are assisting teaching them through this? And we've obviously got webinars and all different things that we are setting up, but to still get through all that is massive. And, you know, we've got a lot of boys who have a very strong chance of making national representative teams under 16, under 18, um, for them to go, well, sure, this is a huge goal I've been pushing for for the last two years. Is there still going to be a, a junior IPT? Are we actually going to play any sport this year? Um, and that's been a, a, a big mental challenge for these guys, but I must commend them. I mean, you know, every day I go and put out a small video with our workout for the day with some technical work alongside some of my other coaches. And the the community which these guys have with each other and how they keep on pushing each other and say, this was my time today. You know, what did you get? Oh, that's incredible. Let's keep mm. on pushing. And there's just been this sort of resilience against a tough time and guys that come together and they just keep on pushing, keep on motivating. Um, we had to, we had some, some, 
tough chats just before we came into this podcast after uh, Mr. Ramposa's announcement of the extension where guys were, oof, it's another little knockback. We're okay, guys, you know, we, we're in an unprecedented time. We, we're going to roll with the punches here. We're going to plan for absolutely everything. And when the time comes, we're going to be prepared and whatever small opportunity we have, we're going to take it and we're going to make sure we use it and keep growing and go forward. Um, so that's really been the message which we've been trying to trying to spread and spread and keep these guys motivated and encouraged and uh, yeah, let's keep them going. I think that's uh, Jonesy. That's wonderful stuff. And you know, a, a lot of youngsters in, in this country are, are better off with uh, people like you giving them some some good uh, yeah, yeah. motivation and feedback. So well done. Oh, thanks. We do do what we can in our in our small parts, and if we can have any influence. Um, in the world, let's, let's try and make it a positive one. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted, I wanted to, uh, before we wrap up, I did want to touch on one other aspect of your game. So we've spoken about the outdoor, we've spoken about the indoor, we've spoken about coaching, but the thing that's probably impressed me most about you is the commentary gig we did in Cape Town. In fact, uh, <laughs> my wife actually said to me, it, it sounds like you and John T have commentated many times together. And uh, she also said to me that she thought... Uh, John T was the best commentator that week. Um, <laughs> I was made easy because I was sitting along a really experienced hand, you know, just made my job really easy. Uh, look, it was good fun, but how much did you enjoy that side of the game? Oh, it's awesome. It's, it really is. It's, I'm, I mean, I think you can probably pick it up. I'm really passionate about the game. So, you know, the opportunity to convey the excitement of a, an incredible indoor opportunity you know we're playing on home soil or the ladies indoor team playing on home soil against the Irish the first time it was just an incredible event and having Cindy you know building up to a hundredth cap it was just something special and it's uh, it's an exciting thing and it's yeah loved it absolutely loved it well when you do hang up yet a soccer stick of yours one day I think uh, there'll be place for you alongside us in the podcasting world we can't offer you a big salary um, but uh, there's definitely going to be space alongside the rest of the Raider team for you. Well, definitely come along. If not for the money, definitely for the good banter. Lovely. Yeah, there'll be plenty of that, <laughs> as we've proved tonight. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, man, John T, it's been great Thanks, having you on the show. <laughs> a pleasure. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me. It was awesome chatting. Yeah, man. Listen, uh, enjoy lockdown. Best of luck. Stay indoors. We'll on a farm <laughs> um, <laughs> enjoy enjoy the, enjoy the hard work and uh, yeah best of luck for your indoor future and uh, for your role as performance director ah uh, thank you so much really appreciate it cheers John G cheers, cheers. John G thanks cheers, cheers bye bye I think uh, if you're in a, a, a sport playing a family you know in the last episode we spoke to Peter Wright um, and speaking to John T I mean it must be pretty much one of the coolest things standing alongside your brother singing the national anthem. Oh man, imagine! Whoa, yo! Yeah, I mean, I'm an only child, and I've never represented South Africa, so I really don't know what that's like. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I can imagine it must be right up there. I mean, I'm not an only child. <laughs> I also haven't represented South Africa only in dreams. Um, but uh, look, I play social football with my brother and, and even that, just playing on the same field as your brother is a, is a really lucky thing. So I can just imagine when you get to the top, 
how cool that must be. Oh, man. Oh, Ty, geez, uh, what a lucky guy. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, and, and and very, very well spoken. I, I mean, not that our other guests aren't, but you can see he certainly has mm. the gift of the gap. And I heard a lot of your commentaries since over in Cape Town, and I was highly impressed. Um, and yeah, a, a future definitely beckons for him uh, uh, with the microphone in hand once his playing day is over. Yeah, I think... Uh just such a positive environment that he, he brings with him he speaks positively he doesn't get stuck in the the drama and yeah i mean uh, when you listen to him speak you understand why my wife uh, Catherine did turn around and say he was the best commentator that week oh well at least she doesn't call you small d in public <laughs> oh. i think we should probably end that right there <laughs> brilliant cheers ty we'll catch up soon all right, cheers, D. Cheers, man. Bye. Yeah.